everyone as we continue our studies in the book of Leviticus. And uh, it probably isn't news to any of you listening that a year and a half ago, I announced that I would be retiring in June of 2022, which is in just uh, another week or so. And uh, so joining me after all this time of prayer and, and, uh, and careful consideration, uh, my replacement, Tim Pell. So, Tim, welcome. It's great to have you here. Thank you. It's good to be here. Yeah. So, Tim's going to help me carry this teaching, and it's going to be a little different. Instead of just me talking to you, it's going to be Tim and I talking to each other about mm-hmm. the Torah portion. But it's great to have you, and uh, I'm encouraged that Beth Kuhn has a very bright future. And I'll probably hang around for a few weeks during the teaching just to help launch this before I step completely uh, out of the scene. So anyways, we're in Bekukatai. Bekukatai. Mm-hmm. We were just laughing. It sounds like a, a dish in an Indian restaurant, mm-hmm. you know. Take mm-hmm. Bekukatai with an extra hot sauce. Mm-hmm. But uh, <laughs> Bekukatai <laughs> comes from the word chok, kokim, or kokot, which we've talked about um, a few weeks ago. And uh, so what, does a, what is a kok, Tim? We're going to test and see how well, close you've been paying attention. Okay, so um, uh, chok is a decree. Mm-hmm. What's unusual about chok, or the chokim, as a category of decrees or laws, mm-hmm. is that these are, these are decrees that make no sense. They right. defy reason. They are, uh, in a sense, the, the greatest test of our love and our obedience right. to Adonai, is if we can, if we can follow these, yes. if we can, uh, you know, uh, conquer our own human reasoning yes. and just set, set that aside and follow him, then, then that's, a, that's a good sign that we've been right. paying attention. Something else I found interesting about this, um, and I learned this uh, recently, is that chok, uh, another way of understanding that word, means something, in, something engraved or something chiseled, mm. which would be a decree on, on a slab or something, something right. that was an official statement. And this is new to chiseled. me. I hadn't heard this before. You right. mentioned it a few minutes ago. So something chiseled. So if we think about that, if think about how we want for uh, God's word to be written on our hearts. If it is chiseled, it's something that cannot be burned off or washed off with water. It's yeah. something that, is, that, is, that becomes part of the stone, part of the material on which it's being chiseled. It's not added to, like ink would be, right. or any other substance. It is something that is taken, there's material taken away. Removed. Removed. Yes. So yeah. in this chiseling, there is a sacrificing of parts of ourselves yes. in order to make the space necessary. That makes so much sense because when I see a commandment in Scripture that makes sense, it's like, well, I would do that anyway. So I'm not really giving up any of myself. Right. But when God asks me to do something that makes no sense, I have to give up some of my ego mm-hmm. and my way of doing things. And so instead of doing what's right in my eyes, I have to sacrifice that. That's chipped away, but I begin to walk in his kukim. So. And, you know, and going back to the, the permanence of it, yeah. if, if these are chiseled onto our heart, right. when the fire comes or when we are underwater, they'll be intact. That's right. Even when... Even when a stone tablet or a, or a rock on which the chisel is engraved breaks. Yes, yes. it is still there. Like like no matter it's what the there. condition of the the material, it's still there. It is even permanent. in its in, in its in yeah. the void of it in, of yes. the letters. It's it's a 
beautiful picture. It is. I think, I think it's really cool. Yeah, it reminds me of the two tablets. And the tradition is is that when God engraved, oh, it went all the, the way. It went all, all the, way the way through the stone. Right. So completely removing that stone allowed the light to come through, mm-hmm. and it's the light that is His word. Mm-hmm. And uh, and the more He engraved on the stone, the less stone there was. The more light it was. So, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, if we look at that first, that first sentence, that first verse, Leviticus twenty-six three, is where the portion begins. There, you can see the word bakukatai on the screen. There's the word chok. That's the word that Tim was just talking about. This rule that uh, doesn't make logical sense. The bait attached to the front means with or in, and the tie means mine, plural mine. So in the hook of mine, in my chukot, if you will walk and guard my commandments and do them, then we come to all these blessings, all these things that God says he's going to do for his people if they do these three things. Mm-hmm. I tried to count up how many things God said he would do if we did these three. And I, I kept losing count, but there's a, there's a bunch of them mm-hmm. there. There's probably 20 or more. So he has three things of us. Walk in the things I command you to do that you don't understand. Guard my commandments. You can't do all the commandments, but we can guard all of them. But then do the ones you can do, the ones that apply to you. We do the ones that apply to men. Women do the ones that apply to women. Farmers do the ones that apply to farmers. But if we do those three things, God says, I'll take care of the rest. And it's amazing the things he promises to do just for this easy yoke and light burden he gives mm-hmm. us. It's amazing. There's, a, there's a, uh, a phrase that I heard recently that I think lines up with this, maybe just in coincidence, yeah. maybe not. We study to learn... We learn to do, and I added, we do to be, because we are what we do. We, we, he, he wants us to walk, guard, and do mm-hmm. so that we will be his people. That's right. And he will protect and not reject his That's people, right. as we learn later on in this, in this portion, too. Now, here's something we didn't talk about, but when I was looking at these, walk, guard, and do, they seem backward to me. It seems like you have to do them first. And then you think, you know, that's, that's a good thing. And I'm going to start guarding these. And then you graduate to doing the things he tells you to do that make no sense. You start by doing the, the commandments, the mitzvot that make sense. To me, it's, they seem backwards, but God doesn't do anything backward. But it could be he's giving us this order from his viewpoint. Hmm. And what we do, we start by doing them that we guard them because they become precious to us. And then we begin to walk in the things that don't make sense to us, make sense to him. Mm-hmm. And as we do that, we draw closer to him. I don't know, just a thought. Well, I mean, we, we've, we've often talked about how oftentimes we do and then we understand. Yes. Right? right. That, that, that the understanding doesn't come right. initially, but only yeah. in hindsight after having done it. Yes, that's That's where the sure. understanding lies. That's for sure. So that, that, that's... Consistent, yeah, at least. Absolutely. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's good. Um, one of the things, when I, as I see this word in this final Torah portion, Bakukatai, um, I think about the, all the commandments in the book of Leviticus. 
when you get to the very last uh, sentence of Leviticus, it says, and these are the commandments that God gave to Moses at Mount Sinai. So when you come to the end of Leviticus, you come to the end of the commandments that God gave. And when you look at the, particularly the commandments of Leviticus, so many of them, the majority of them don't make any sense. Like, why do you have to make the tabernacle this size? Or, 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 weren't, or at least weren't given a reasoning. No, no, yeah, yeah they were given a reasoning, yeah. and uh, we still don't have a reason, though we're invited to explore and, and try to derive one. But why do you use these materials? Why do you use these colors? Why does the high priest have to dress this way? And uh, so much of the book of Leviticus defies human logic. But what happens when they came to the book, they came to the end? They had a tabernacle, and they've got God dwelling with them. It doesn't get better than that. But they had to do the things that didn't come out of their own brains, own imaginations. They had to do the things that God gave on Mount Sinai. And the next thing you know, God's dwelling right there with them. He's making his home right there with them. Mm -hmm. He's uh, repairing the damage done in the Garden of Eden. Mm -hmm. And he's once again walking with his people. Mm -hmm. Um... God have mercy on us if we're not willing to do anything God tells us unless it makes sense to us, mm -hmm. you know. Well, I think there's something there about how it, it ends up with the, the, the last two topics of the portion around the, the animals and the tithing yeah. and the, the right. valuation, all that kind of stuff. And I know you've said in the past that it's kind of an anticlimactic Yes. End yeah, to it. Right. But I think there's something there, and I don't know, I haven't fleshed this out entirely, but I think there's something there in how the last thing talked about has to do with how we relate to the temple, mm. right? Mm -hmm. in, in, in that relationship. Because that, that's the place, the, the tabernacle, the temple, the, the, the congregation, the, the place where yeah. we learn how to be God's people. That's right. right. So, so he's given us all, these, all this instruction, and now at the very end, are a few last, last you know, housekeeping things about this is how you deal with this in light of the place right. of the tabernacle. Is that, right. is that, yeah, it you, does. does that yes, sense? it does. And something you said reminded me that, uh, you know, this world is like a house God made for us to live in. Mm -hmm. And he made it in six days, and mm -hmm. here it is. Mm -hmm. But then he says, now you make a house for me to live in. <laughs> And uh, what we make for him isn't nearly as beautiful, glorious as what he makes for us. But there's this beautiful picture that we create a space for the other. God made a space for us, mm -hmm. and we're welcomed in. He says, make a space for me. You know, if you do these things, I will dwell within you, I'll dwell among you. And uh, each one of us is living life, and the goal is to make my life a house where God is at home. Mm -hmm. And... Um, but unlike the, unlike the tabernacle, God dwells in us while we're still under construction. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, I know I have a lot of work to do in my own tabernacle yet, but God makes his presence very known to me. And uh, it makes me want to make it better, do it better. And isn't this all, this is all the story of redeeming creation? Yes, because absolutely. Because he, he walked with, exactly. he walked with Adam yeah. in the garden. Yeah. And he wants to walk with us again, but there's an active participation right. we have to do. Exactly There right. are conditions that we need to help yes. this world meet in order for this to be God's true home. And I think that 
God is going to God is going to make this His home, with or without our participation. Mm-hmm. It is, and so it's better to kind of be proactive and yes. be helping Him do and be that. Be part of the bride. Be part of it. Yeah. Instead of instead of being what He needs to clean out or or burn off uh, in exactly. order to make it happen. And you didn't know I put this verse down in the notes, but Revelation twenty one three. So it's the next to last chapter of the Bible. Mm-hmm. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. They will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. That's very similar to how the book of Leviticus closes. Hmm. So uh, this is the goal. God mm-hmm. wants to dwell with his people. Yeah. yeah. Um, one of the things, I was looking back in, in old notes, back from 2012, 10 years ago. And I had forgotten this, but... Um, Chapter 26 of Leviticus is two paragraphs in uh, the Torah scroll. It starts with Leviticus 26.3. It begins a paragraph. And that first paragraph has all the blessings. So it's from uh, verses 3 and through 13. And that's in the Torah scroll, but not necessarily not in the, necessarily in the, in the in Bible. Not necessarily in the English. Or in our English translations. Yeah. But in the Torah scroll, very distinct, complete separate uh, paragraphs. So the blessings that God promises in verses 3 through 14 are one paragraph. And then in verse 14, on to the end of chapter 26, I think it's verse 46 or something, um, those are the curses or the admonitions and uh, very unpleasant things there if we, as God's covenant people, refuse to walk in his commandments. And something the rabbis notice is that if you take that first paragraph that has all the blessings, and I have it here on the screen, it opens up with im bekukotai, if in my kukot you walk. And the first letter of this paragraph is the letter Aleph, which is the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Then if you go down to verse 13, go to the very last phrase, ve'olechatechem uh, komemiot. It ends with the letter Tav. So now I'll make you walk upright. I will walk with you and you'll be, make you walk upright with me. And um, so it begins with Aleph, ends in Tav. So it makes this beautiful, complete uh, um, picture from Aleph to Tav. The complete Aleph bait. But when you take the curses, things are a little different. So when you start with the first word of verse 14, and then the last word of 46. The first letter of verse 14 is a vav. The last letter of verse 46 is a hey. Hmm. Vav and hey. Now, what does that remind you of? What do we, we're going to be always spelling out that ends vav, hey. Yod, hey, vav, hey. Yod, hey, vav, hey. It's the last two letters of God's name. So, those are what frame the curses. <clears throat> now, that seems really interesting. It's like, why those two letters? Well, many times in the scriptures, God's just called Yah, yad Hey. That's mm-hmm. his name. That's his face. That's the front of the name. Mm-hmm. But it's like he's hiding his face. The yad Hey isn't there. But the curses begin with Vav and end with Hey. So it's the backside. It's like God has his back turned. You can't see the yad Hey. You can only see the Vav Hey. And when you read through those curses, God makes it very clear. He's with the people, but he's turned his face away from them. In fact, it says that right over in verse 
Um, you think I would have written this down, but it's uh, there's a place there where he turns his face away from them. And it is going, I'm talking slowly. It gives In me time to find the verse. I will set my face against you. That's I'll set my face against you. Anyways, it's in there. Everybody can look it up for themselves. That might be the verse I'm thinking of. Um, but he makes it very clear that he'll turn his face away from them. Mm-hmm. I always look down and see it on the way. I'm not seeing it right now. But um, So anyways, that's pictured by the curses. He's present, but he's, he's got his back turned. Is there any other instance that you know of where the vav hey is... Is used in that way to, to picture this? I don't. There probably are places, yeah. but uh, this one is particularly stood out to me. Mm. Now, something goes along with that. It's interesting. You know, when you get to the end of the book of Deuteronomy in chapter 28, there's another long list of curses, like Moses is reviewing. And he says, now, if you do the commandments, these are the great things that are going to happen, but if you don't, here are the consequences. Mm. In this chapter... There are 49 curses, 49 admonitions, things that will happen if they don't follow God. But in Deuteronomy 28, it's exactly twice that. It's 98 curses. They've doubled. Now, that's a question I want you to answer. Why are there twice as many curses at the end of Deuteronomy as there are here in the book of, at the end of Leviticus? And the hint is what has happened between Leviticus and the end of Deuteronomy. Well, I would, I guess, I would use as, as a, um, a pattern, how in this portion there is, there is the different categories of consequences or punishments. Yes. Right? If you let's see, if you will not listen to me, um, and if this discipline you are not turned to me, if in spite of this, and, and it keeps going, all these different right. things, and so if if that amount of, of disobedience adds up to 49, there is certainly continued disobedience that adds up to double that at the end of Deuteronomy. That's right. And here's something else. What happens in the book of Numbers? How many years does the book of Numbers cover? And what happens in the book of Numbers? The book that comes between Leviticus and Deuteronomy. What's going to go on? Bamidbar, in the wilderness. Mm. In the wilderness, they spend 40 years, and they learn firsthand the consequences of not walking in God's commandments, not walking in his kukot. And um, so when they get to the end of Leviticus, they get another warning. Mm-hmm. Here are all the blessings you get, mm-hmm. but this time the consequences are doubled. Because you should know by now who I am. You should know by now I'm serious about what I say. Mm-hmm. And I know in my own life, consequences of my stupid <laughs> rebellions and sins are twice as harsh now as they were years ago. Because <laughs> I was just learning my ways. And to whom much is given, much is expected. So as I'm older, the consequences are much more severe in my life. Israel should have known better. They should have known they better. Have known they had 40 years. They watched... Yeah. Half the people die, you know. Uh, no, the entire older generation died during those 40 years. And the young people have grown up. And now Moses is saying, look what I did. I told you what I would do. 
So now I'm expecting twice as much from you. And the blessings in Deuteronomy are incredible. And, uh, but the consequences are now double. So that's a, that's a strong warning to me as I look at that. I've, I, I was consuming a lot of, of teachings and insight into this. And, and one, of the, one of the pieces that, that, that stuck out to me that was semi, somewhat consistent is that these, the, the warning here isn't so much what God will do to you but what you do to yourself yes. when, when you disobey. Yeah, that's right. right. So it's self-inflicted, yeah. even, though, even though the language, at least as it's translated in the English, is I will do this, I will do it. And it sounds harsh. I mean, it, sound, yeah. it doesn't sound like a loving God. But that's right. I think if we start, if we always start with the, the truth and the presupposition that God is just yes. and that the punishment fits the crime, so to speak, we, we look at these consequences and these punishments yes. and we have a better understanding of how important it is, the weight of yes. it, and how much the reward is the opposite of those. That's right. right. So, so if, if you see this list of things that bring death and yeah. destruction and, and things that, that are just horrible, yeah. always contrast that with what is the opposite of exactly it, even, right. if it, even if it isn't clear in the language, in yes. our own understanding of That's it. Right. We're able to see that Okay, God is just. God is just. God is just. This is not him being a meanie. No. This is when we choose not to simply walk and guard right. and do. Yeah. If we don't do those. That's right. Oh, man. It's... And two, God had chosen this people, the descendants of Abraham, this 71st nation, to be his covenant people and to be a light to the entire world. So it's important that when they walk in God's commandments that they really are blessed so the whole world can see, look how blessed this people is because they follow this God who, who's so close to them. It's also important for the whole world to see if you don't, here's what happens. Yeah. So the chosen people, like Tevya says in Fiddle on the Roof, we know you're the, we're the chosen people, but can't you choose somebody else once in a while? But uh, that's, that's the way it is. And as disciples of Messiah, if we take on his name and are grafted into Israel, we're to be lights of the world. And that light can come to the world by us walking in righteousness and living a beautiful, attractive, blessed life, or by the world seeing this is what happens to somebody who claims to be a follower of him, and they don't follow him. Mm. So um, there are these dire consequences are good because they're founded in truth and reflecting truth to the world. And if, if I don't learn from my poor choices, God will use me to help someone else learn yes. from my poor choices. <laughs> if you're not going to learn yeah. from them, I'll make somebody else learn. Yeah, from someone's going to learn yeah. something from this. Yeah, <laughs> so that's right. Let's, like, let's help. It's hopefully, like old, hopefully it's me. <laughs> it's like that old saying, learn from other people's mistakes. You don't have time to make them all yourself. So, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Well, you know, write that down. <laughs> yeah, write that down. Um, that, I'm always fascinated when I find a unique word in the Torah that's used only one time or only, say, two times, especially if I find it two times, because mm -hmm. usually they're, they're miles apart, and you take this passage, connect with this passage. 
I was just doing a study um, on Joseph's coat of many colors, his ketonet pasim. Only found two places in the Bible. Genesis, and then over in 2 Samuel, I think it's chapter 13, and that's Tamar, David's daughter who was raped by her half-brother. Mm. She had a ketonet pasim, only two stories. So in the Hebrew, it says, all right, take these two stories, lay them side by side. Well, we have an example of that in this Torah portion. In Leviticus 26.12, it starts out with, and I will walk among you and will be your God, and you shall be my people. That's one of the blessings of walking in God's commandments. And that phrase, and I will walk, it's all one word in Hebrew. Vahit halakti, vahit halakti. And you notice that word halak in there. That means to walk. Mm. That's where we get the word halakha, mm-hmm. how to walk. But hit halakti, and it's almost like I will cause myself to walk. I will purposely walk among you and will be your God. You should be my people if you keep my commandments. Well, halak is found over 1,500 times in the Bible. It's a very common word. But this form of the verb... Vahit halakti is found only two places in the Bible. It's found here, Leviticus 26.12. And the other place is Psalm 26.3, where it says, For your steadfast love is before my eyes, vahit halakti in your truth, and I will walk in your truth. So in the first passage, God's saying, I'll walk among you. And Psalms is saying, uh, your steadfast lust for my eyes, I will walk in your truth. And God's saying, well, if you walk in my truth, I'll walk among you. And David's saying, and if uh, I walk in your truth, so I will walk, I'm mm-hmm. walking your truth because you walk in, you, mm-hmm. you see it's reflexive. Mm-hmm. So if we want God to walk with us, we have to walk in his Torah, walk in his truth. And uh, it's, I, I love the reflection Reflexivity. Do I just make up a new word, Tim? Um, you're That's good part at, of your you're job. Good at that. You're uh, good yeah. at that. Well, yeah, okay. So, well, we'll just say it's a new word. But uh, those are two passages that I, I'll never look at one without thinking of the other one again. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts, Tim? Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree. <laughs> Astonish us ah, with your insights. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, walking in truth. Now, uh, some translations, like the ESV, just a little heads up. The ESV often takes, especially in the Psalms, takes that word emet, truth, and translates it faith. So, especially in the Psalms, when you read about faith, check it out. Because often, I don't know why they do this, but it's the word emet, truth. Hmm. I like using the word with its original meaning. Mm. And that is the word that is used there in Psalm 26.3. So walk in what, truth. What, how would it be worded then if it's, I will walk in your faith? Yeah. Is that how the, how the ESV would Yeah, I think so. Um, I don't have my ESV yeah. with me, but yeah. Yeah, walk in your faith or in faith in you, something like that. But it's hmm. your truth is the way it's worded in Hebrew. So. Well, speaking of love, so your steadfast love, mm-hmm. there's something that I wanted to um, bring up about about chapter 26 in particular, mm-hmm. and how there's, um, you know, there, it starts off with, if you walk in my statutes and guard my commandments and do them, mm-hmm. then I will 
bless you. Yes. Right. Yeah. Um, and and if you don't, I will curse you. Right. Yeah. When we talk about love, though, love is a self-denial. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. So I'm not sure how to I'm not sure how to word this. We were talking about this in the car yesterday too. If if self-denial is the goal, why would there then be a listing of the rewards and punishments which which speak to our human need for self-preservation, which mm-hmm. is not self-denial. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes. If yes. if love is self-denial, if simply obeying these commands without any rational understanding, mm-hmm. if that's the goal, why then rationalize the decision by saying, if you do, you get this, if you don't, you get mm-hmm. that. Right. Like, there, there seems to be, yes. there seems to be a, a bit of a contradiction there. Yeah, it seems to be. That's a great question. Uh, there are two things that come to mind. First of all, God loves to bless his kids. Mm-hmm. And so if I don't do things that, that uh, bring blessing on me, I'm not giving pleasure to him. And you know, as a father, you have two little ones. You love it when your kids do what you tell them to do, when they're obedient. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing you wouldn't do for them because mm-hmm. that gives such joy to you. And Proverbs talks about um, that the pain a disobedient son brings to his mother. And um, when we don't walk in God's commandments, we're causing pain to him. And when we do walk in his commandments, we're bringing joy to him. Mm-hmm. And so if he wants to bless me for that too, then great. But there's another thing as well. You're about to say something. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, the other thing is too... I'm always about to say something. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Same here. <laughs> um, but uh, the other thing is too, is that if I've given myself to God, I don't belong to me anymore. I don't have rights to me. I don't own me. Mm-hmm. I'm not my own. I've been bought with a price. So... Since this body's not mine anymore, since the gifts that God's endowed me with are not mine anymore, the life I have, the health, the time is not mine anymore, I'm a steward of these things as they belong to him. I want to be a good steward of them. Hmm. So it's not, there's nothing selfish in this anymore because I rec- it's selfless if I recognize I'm his property, I better go take, take good care of his property. Right. And uh, I think walking that, his commandments. Yeah, I think that's that. that's the necessary uh, perspective to have because it it would still be it still wouldn't be love if I were making the no. decision to walk in his statutes because of a of a, of a desire to avoid yes. the punishment. Yeah. Right. That shouldn't be the reason why yeah. we choose to do it. That's right. But with that framework, mm-hmm. with that that paradigm, it is it is good to be a good steward yes. of it. But it's, so it's yeah, yeah it's it's, yeah. it's a it's a I don't know if it's a, a dance or a game you got to play yeah. to kind of figure out okay what's the right approach to this because I don't want my I don't want my kids to decide to be good yeah. because they know that they'll have to sit in the corner That's right. I want them right. to decide to do, to be good because they they love yeah. me and they know that I love them yeah. and then they get the, the fruit so that, that's a good point. yes but yeah that that I had that question I was like yeah. ah, that's, that's well, know. it's definitely something we grow up in, and I mm-hmm. used the example before of my father. We butted heads a lot when I was growing up. I gave the poor man a lot of <laughs> a lot of grief, but uh, he'd give me a chore to do or whatever. I didn't want to do it, but I would do it because I don't want to be punished. Mm-hmm. Just didn't want to be punished, mm-hmm. so I did it out of fear, you could say. Yeah, and. Um, 
But then later, I realized if I did it well, then there'd be some reward involved. We might go out to eat, might go out for ice cream or whatever. So then I started doing things for reward. But then as I got older, I started doing them out of love, mm. as I love my dad. And perfect love cast out fear. Mm-hmm. So doing things strictly out of fear of God is still obedience, and he rewards it, mm-hmm. but it's the lowest kind of obedience. Mm-hmm. Then we start to do things because he rewards us. That's a greater kind of obedience because now we're giving real pleasure to him. Mm-hmm. But when we do it out of complete love for him, I don't care if he rewards me or not. I just mm-hmm. love him. Mm-hmm. And uh, the only fear I have now is fear of breaking his heart. Is that a sign of of the level of maturity in the believer? Absolutely. I think so, yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, and, and this is why Messiah says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Mm-hmm. And he wants it to be done out of love. Mm-hmm. But if he has to start with fear, he'll start there mm-hmm. until we learn the ropes. You know, I think there's a parallel here with uh, the passage in the New Testament uh, about the fruit of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And... There's any time there's a, not any time, I'm making a generalization here, okay? Warning, I'm making a generalization here. That's, that's, generalization. I, I need to make so many generalizations to understand the world. So here's one of them. <laughs> In general, when, when people set to talk about the fruit of the Spirit, they talk about the fruit of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. But that's not what needs to be talked about. What needs to be talked about is walking in the Spirit. Yes. Because that is what produces the fruit. Yes, right. So That's right. focusing on the byproduct or what results yes. from walking in the Spirit is backwards. That's right. And to talk, to actually have a, a, a lesson or a teaching or to understand the fruit of the Spirit, that's, that's just what comes. Yes, from we, we, don't, we, don't, we don't say, okay, I need to be more gentle. Mm-hmm. That's not the goal. The goal is if I walk in the Spirit... Yes. That will be the fruit of it. Yes. And I'll know that I've been walking in the Spirit if that happens. Yeah. So there, there is a, a bit of yes. having the correct so order true. of things. That's right. Yeah. And, and like Messiah said, uh, you know, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, what's the byproduct? You bear mm-hmm. a lot of fruit. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't come from human effort. It comes from abiding in him mm-hmm. or walking in him. Mm-hmm. The same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if we, Very true. if we walk, guard, and do, then we'll, yeah. we'll get these, yeah. these benefits. And it's, a, it's an easy yoke and a light burden. Mm-hmm. But we buy the lies that somehow it's heavy and difficult and not fun, and so we do things our own way, do what's right in our own eyes, and what miserable human beings we make ourselves. Amen. Yeah. 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 So true. Shall we move on? Yeah, what's the next? next? Well, we looked at Vahit Halakti, that word appears two times in Scripture, but um, another word, this is the only other word I want us to look at, is, uh, is found in Leviticus 26, 21 for the first time. And different translations translate this differently. Um, some say, if you walk contrary with me, uh, the art scroll, if you walk casually with me, I think the best translation is if you walk indifferently with me. Mm-hmm. He says, and this is the first place it appears in the chapter, then if you walk indifferently with me and will not listen to me, I will continue striking you sevenfold for your sins. Now that word indifferently is the word kari. There it is right there. Now here's what's interesting. 
That word is found only seven times in the entire Bible. And all seven times are right here in Leviticus 26. Mm -hmm. So God has concentrated the use of this word here in this chapter that discusses the curses. And so I'm fascinated by that. Seven is the number of completion and perfection. Does that, would that, does that mean that it is, it is a perfect indifference? <laughs> yeah. Well, I think he's saying that... Um, I don't know. I don't know. That's a good question. That's a tough one. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll make that discussion question. With the group. What yeah, think? what do you think? Uh, right, give it, Tim. Tell yeah. Tim what you think of Give that. us your answer in the comments. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it, it doesn't mean contrary. Um, in fact, you looked up at Jacinius. The Jacinius was, was yes. um, and Jacinius is a, uh, a Hebrew scholar back in the 19th century or so. I think so, 19th century. Who, uh, a, a German fella who, who did a very, very exhaustive and, and as accurate as possible understanding of Hebrew language, right? Yeah. That, yes. that even they use as a textbook. Hebrew University in Jerusalem. Yeah. Uh, Hebrew speakers are learning from Jesenius. So right. anyway, but even he says that it's that it's, it's akin to a, a hostile confrontation, a right. contrary and, and a, what, what was the other word? Like a, a resistance or opposition, a hostile encounter, something something that is almost intentional. Yeah. yeah. Whereas indifference is 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 a, is a more Very passive. passive. Very passive. But Worse, I would think, yes. than than actual actually being opposed. It's, it's, it speaks of lukewarmness, and, mm -hmm. and Yeshua said, "Rather you be hot or cold, mm -hmm. be actively for me or actively against me, because everybody knows where you stand." Mm -hmm. I mean, you're lukewarm, just wishy-washy, indifferent. That says, "I'm going to vomit you out." Yeah. Now, no, just Jacinius or Gacinius, whichever it is, great resource, mm -hmm. standard resource. Everybody uses it, but. Um, I always want to see what the rabbis, the spiritual leaders of Israel over the millennia, think about a word. Mm -hmm. Because this word is something they have chewed on and talked about in their works. And often Gesenius doesn't get into the many of the Jewish works mm -hmm. and, and how the rabbis have thought of a word. And as they discuss this word, kari, it they discuss it in the sense that well, things happen, it's just coincidence. And these could be believers. Yeah, I believe there's God, but boy, I was really lucky when this happened to me. And when you say, I was lucky, you're cutting God out of the, out of the formula. Mm -hmm. You're being indifferent to him. It was a luck. God either brought it or he didn't. And, um, oh, this terrible thing happened. Well, that's just karma. Or this was just a coincidence. Every time we use those words... We're practicing this kari. We're leaving God out. Because everything that happens, every breath I take is a gift from God. Everything good or everything that is unpleasant, it all comes from him. It may come through other things, but it all is something initiated with him because he gave it great thought and planned it that way. And so we need to be very intentional of recognizing just how close God is with us in everything and not be guilty of this indifference to his involvement in our lives. Going back to the, the whole self-denial issue, too, indifference is, isn't, isn't even a rejection of God. Mm -hmm. it, is a, it is a 
uh, maybe not even a denial. It's just a, it's just an, an erasing, yeah. right? It's as yeah. if he, it's, it's as if he isn't. It's a thoughtlessness. It's about a thoughtlessness him. about it, which is worse. Yeah. Um, and I know you've you've taught on this before, and that the opposite of love isn't hate. No, it's indifference. Yeah, and if selfishness, right? Selfish indifference. It is a a forgetting about. Yes. Yeah. Uh, which is just so much worse yeah. than than hate or or yes. intentional wanting to do intentional harm. Yes. It's just you know that there's. There's been studies done I've heard about, um, and maybe you brought this up before, about uh, children, uh, infants who were, a, a test was, was done on where they weren't being mm. interacted with by, yeah. by the nursing staff to see right. how they would develop. And well, all, of them, uh, all of them died because yeah. there was no human no, interaction. Right. It was basically as if the nursing staff was being indifferent. And I, I forget yeah. what the study was. It was some... Some I, I think it was a that. Canadian doctor a long time yes. ago, and right. uh, during the during maybe World War One or two, something, something like that. Some uh, obscure study that was done, and yeah. the results of it were, you know, there has to be connection. There has to be connection, yes. and, and indifference. Yeah. I would I would say doesn't make connection yeah. possible. Right. Well, you know, the way I see indifference, and it really bothers me. I meet believers who don't believe. And they can go to church on Sunday or come to Beth the Coon on Sabbath and, and they can say the prayers and they can sing the songs and they can listen, take notes in the teaching. And then once they leave, they leave everything they learned there. Hmm. And uh, we could be talking about the, the horrible sin of anger. And then on the way home, they're slapping the kids around inside the car. I mean, or they're having an argument with their spouse. It's like... They, they don't carry it with them. And they think, well, God is real when I'm with the congregation, when I'm in the building or when I'm at the service. But all of a sudden, I get back to real life. God isn't real anymore. Uh, the truth is, that's not real life because you're walking indifferently with God. Mm -hmm. And um, he's just as real when you get up with your morning face on and, and you, <laughs> you go shuffling in to make your cup of coffee as he is when you're in synagogue on the Day of Atonement. Mm -hmm. He's just as real, just as close. Mm -hmm. And we need to recognize he's with us all the time and see him everywhere and in everything. Mm -hmm. And that's what a spiritual person does. There's no, none of this Karee stuff. I was telling you earlier, I woke up about 4.30, quarter to 5 this morning. This, this thing popped into my mind um, because this word was, was, was rattling around up there and I realize that if you take that first letter, the kof, and you move it around to the end, you get the word reek. And the reason this word is standing out in my mind is because I've been studying the Psalms, going through them for the third time, and, and this word pops up early in the Psalms. Uh, see if you can figure out which word it is. I'll read uh, Psalm 2 verse 1, why do the nations rage and peoples meditate on emptiness? And Psalm 4 verse 2 is the next place it's found. O men, how long shall my honor be turned into shame? How long will you love emptiness and seek after lies? Which word do you think is reek in both of those verses? Um, emptiness. Emptiness. Yeah. So you go from indifference and the same letters re rearranged Spell the word of emptiness, mm -hmm. total vanity. Mm -hmm. 
And Psalms 2 and 4 ask these questions. Why do men meditate emptiness? They think about nothing. And then why do they pursue emptiness? And you look at the culture we live in, they're actually in hot pursuit of empty stuff. Some movie star or rock star or some teen idol or whatever it is, it's utterly, completely, totally empty. It's reek. And if we're not careful, we can move from indifference to God to actually pursuing and investing in utter vanity and utter emptiness. Mm -hmm. So it's just one small adjustment to move from the one to the other. Mm. And it shows up there in the Hebrew word. It makes sense in another way that if we, knowing that, if we understand that God is all, Mm -hmm. the moment we take God out of the equation, there is nothing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm fascinated by the passages that talk about um, the whole earth is filled with the glory of God. But we don't see it. But the whole earth is filled with the glory of God. Right here in this room, um, right wherever people are watching this, whether it's alone or with a group, that place there is, they're sitting right now is filled with the glory of God. It is. It's there. We just don't see it yet. Mm-hmm. And the psalmist makes it clear, no matter where I go, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, some translations put hell, that's not it, but Sheol, you're there. There's no place you can go to escape him. He's everywhere. But people in this culture today, the idea of God is so hateful to them, they pursue emptiness. They pursue nothingness. They pursue a place that's devoid of God. They can't find they don't, it. They don't know that they're doing that. Because they're, when they yeah. take God out of the it's equation, they think, thing. That they're, they're, they think that they're choosing something else, yeah. but they're actually choosing nothing, yeah. and it's, it is emptiness. But one day, we know that the knowledge of God will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. Everybody's going to recognize His glory. Just because it's invisible from our eyes now, for us as believers, we should have an inner awareness that we are walking in His presence mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, boy, that changes how we live and how mm-hmm. we talk. And, and, uh, and a reminder, we're still not complaining. We're still counting the oneg. So no complaining. <laughs> the omer. The, the, counting the omer, yeah. You said, the, you said count the oneg. Oh, yeah, I guess I'm hungry. Have you had I'm breakfast so, yet? I haven't had anything today. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm counting my oneg coming around the corner. <laughs> right. But counting the omer, we're not complaining. <laughs> so uh, to complain <laughs> is to say God's not around. He's not paying attention. <clears throat> And uh, I don't want to be guilty of that. So something else. So we know that the that, that word, the kari, mm-hmm. uh, is that right? Yeah, kari. Yeah. Um, or was it, which one happened seven times? Kari. Kari. Kari happened yeah, seven right times. Right here in this chapter. Also, mm-hmm. three, three, in three of the instances where it occurs, God mentions that he will, he will visit seven times yes. the punishment. or, or the, yeah. I can't remember. There's three different ways he says it. Yeah. But Seven. So there's there's more yeah. completeness and perfection in the response right. to yes, this indifference. Good point. Yeah, he says, uh, if you're going to be indifferent with me, I'll be indifferent with you. Mm-hmm. So some bad stuff happens. All right. Uh, 
It'd be like you and I having this conversation with our backs turned to each other. Mm. I, I mean, we're indifferent to each other. Mm. And God's all around us. How can we be indifferent to him? He says, that's where you're going to treat me. Then the best thing to cure you of that is for me to be indifferent to you. Mm-hmm. Yep. And when we finally get tired of doing things our way, we repent. And I love how that's worded in here, that they'll come back to God. They'll recognize how they've drifted away. Mm-hmm. They'll come back and he'll come running. Maybe, maybe we can segue here to, uh, to the, the idea of rejection, mm-hmm. right? In yeah. um, that as much as we may uh, deny him yeah. or be contrary to him or be indifferent to him, maybe even reject him, mm-hmm. He will not. That's right. He will not reject us. He will not. Um, no. There's a in Jeremiah. He might um, hide his face, but we're still his kids, aren't we? In Jeremiah 31, 35, and 37, uh, and I'm reading from the New American Standard. It says, "Thus says the Lord, who gives the sun for light by day, and the fixed order of the moon and the stars for light by night, who stirs up the sea, so that its waves roar." The Lord of hosts is his name. If this fixed order departs from before me, declares the Lord, then the offspring of Israel also will cease from being a nation before me forever. Thus says the Lord, if the heavens above can be measured and the foundations of the earth searched out below, then I will also cast off all the offspring of of, of Israel for all that they have done, declares the Lord. That's awesome. If, If what is unsearchable can now all of a sudden be searchable, then I will break my covenant yeah. with the people. We know that that's, that's, never that's gonna not going to happen. Gonna it's not going to happen. Gonna happen. No. So no matter what, and, and you know, some people might think, well, if we're, if we're told that he will never reject us, yeah. that there is no uh, you know, eternal punishment, then won't we just go on Sinning and rejecting and doing oh. that because we know, okay, well, in the back of our mind, well, I know he's not going to reject me, so I'm going to keep going in, this, in, the, in these poor choices. Um, I don't think that's the truth. That's not been my experience. And um, they'll have regret for eternity for that. Mm-hmm. Ah, I wasted my chance to live for him. Ah, the shame. That's, uh, <clears throat> the rabbis say the fire of hell is called shame. They burn mm. with shame. And uh, anybody who's been truly ashamed of something they've done or said, that pain you feel, that's, that's hellfire. Mm-hmm. It's God's holy fire. Mm-hmm. It's set directly from him because we, we, we need to feel that shame and then fix the problem. Mm-hmm. And, um, and this is why Paul talks about how we should study to show ourselves approved unto God, workmen, won't need to be ashamed. Mm-hmm. And uh, I hate the pain of shame. There's no worse pain I can think of than that, mm-hmm. to be too, truly ashamed of something I've done or said. Mm-hmm. So. We, can be, we can be assured of God's faithfulness to us because of the faithfulness he's declared mm-hmm. to Israel. Yes, that's right. And once you really know that and accept that, then the only response is love, mm-hmm. is right. gratitude, yeah. is obedience. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, that, so you know, in, in, the, in spite of all of this that's listed out of all these 
punishments. Yeah. He, we are still his forever. That's right. He is our father. We are his children. And we, all, we can always find our identity in him. And that's, isn't, that's that maybe what all yeah. humans are always trying to figure out yeah. um, in our, in our flawed right. ways is who are we? Whose are we? Mm-hmm. Why are we here? All the, right. all the big questions. Yeah. <clears throat> and everything you described it there, right there is the, the recipe for true joy. Mm-hmm. Gratitude, thankfulness, obedience to his word. That's joy and freedom. Yeah, for sure. And this has nothing at all to do with the teaching. I almost wore that exact same shirt this morning. You know, I, I put went to this my closet. And I, I grabbed. I, it was a close mm, call. That would look really bad if we came here dressed like Tweedledee and Tweedledum. Yeah, we yeah, would have had to say that today's yeah. episode is sponsored in part by, by Duluth Trading, Duluth yeah. Trading Company. <laughs> <laughs> oh my! Uh, well, you know, we you know, were. Oh, go ahead. You know, when I when I was uh, uh, approached about possibly filling this role for the congregation, yeah. I thought to myself, oh, but I'm, I'm really not all that mature. And then I remembered, neither is Grant, no. so right. we're good. We're good. <laughs> I'm qualified. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I have set very low expectations. Low, yes, thank so, you. Thank yeah, you for it's, that. It's going to be easy. <laughs> you know, we, uh, um, yesterday we drove up to Cleveland to the Judaica stores, and, and one of them, I saw this book, and I thought, i got to get this one. And I checked it out. The, the gentleman there says, oh, this is a really good book. Well, I opened it up and started to see what it had to say about this chapter. And this is a quote from the author. The author's name is Varokas or something like that, Rachmiel Varokas. But he's talking about this word kari. And uh, I forgot I had this in my notes. It says, Rashi explains that acting casually toward Hashem refers to one who fulfills the mitzvot without regularity, as well as holding oneself back from coming closer to Hashem. And I started thinking, there are times I am very irregular about how I fulfill the commandments. And, um, and I sometimes hold myself back from God. I don't feel like doing that right now, Lord. I feel like doing this instead. And I'm just going to watch one more episode of whatever instead of taking some time to pray for someone who's sick or whatever it might be. And that's what Korea is. That's walking casually instead of a faithful servant. It's almost, you could also say it's more of a reactionary Mm -hmm. obedience instead of a proactive obedience. Instead of instead of determining during my day yeah. that I will do these things, I will yeah. walk in his ways, I will yeah. interact with people, behave a certain way, say, yeah. talk in a certain way, yeah. I'll just wait until something happens and either choose to or not follow right. his will. Is it, yeah. That, that, yeah. that could yeah. be another way to... Another thing, that. too, I'll walk in his ways as long as people are watching me. But when nobody's looking, then I'll just mm-hmm. do things my own way. Mm-hmm. But I always think about the book of Judges. Every time Israel got in trouble, it's because every man did what was right in his own eyes. And Bukukatai uh, means doing things that are right in God's eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are we ready to put the discussion questions up, or is there anything else we need um, to Any other last thoughts there you was... want to share? That was that was all that I really wanted to share. Okay. Um, yeah, we can we can wrap it up. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, here are some discussion questions for you and your groups. Um,
First, what are the three things God requires of us in 26 verse 3, the very first verse of our Torah portion? And why do they seem to be in reverse order? So revisit that and talk about that. Number two, what does God promise to do in verses 4 to 13? These are all the, all the, the things that he says. And it's kind of fun to go through and count the verbs. Look at the verbs that are used so you see what he's going to do. There are three verbs there in verse 3, but how many are there in verses 4 to 13? All the things he says, I'll do this and this and this and this and this. And how do each of these apply to us today? So he's talking about grain in our fields and bringing in our harvest and those sorts of things. Well, I'm not a farmer. I don't have harvest. But how do these things apply in our own lives? Number three, what is the connection between Leviticus 26.12 and Psalm 26.3? Remember, each of those have that that those those that occurrence of that word uh, that form of halach the only two places that have that particular form of the verb number 4 why is walking indifferently with god such a serious sin in what areas of your own life do you need to correct this and i hope you each take time to oh boy i, I was really been thinking about this over the last few days myself and if it's appropriate share with the group but only if it's appropriate and in number five, read Leviticus 26, verses 44 and 45. What does this say about replacement theology? So we didn't talk about that, mm-hmm. but read those two verses. And we next... touched on it in, in, in the form of rejection, right? So there's... there's yes, we did. Um, uh, I, Rabbi Jonathan Sachs did a, mm-hmm. a good teaching, a video that, that you can watch um, about... He kind of talks about that, how the rejection how we should reject the idea of rejection because God does not do that to his people. That's right. And replacement theology is, has at its core a, right. an understanding of rejection that needs to be Absolutely. Yes. kicked out. It needs to be kicked out. All right. Well, that's it. Should you close out with a song? No song or dance? Do you have <laughs> no. something to close no. out with? All no. right. Well, let's just say shalom, everybody. Shalom. Shalom. And uh, we'll see you next time. Yep.